Mr. President, I'd like to start with this. How, how do you believe this war ends? Only without victory. A victory of truth means victory of Ukraine and Ukrainians. Now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete, Rob, and Lisa. You can see Brett Bear is the host of Special Report with Brett Bear weeknights on Fox News. Let's welcome back our buddy. It is Brett Bear. Congratulations on your sit down with the Ukraine President Zelensky. How are you? Hey, hey guys. Yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting, and um, it was it was great. He gave us that time in the middle of pretty busy time for him. Well, I love your first two questions out of the box. Number one, how does the war end? And number two, is he willing to give up territory? And number two, he said absolutely not, which to me says this war is going to go for a very long time. I think you're right. I mean, that's what the chairman of the Joint Chiefs said up on Capitol Hill yesterday. Uh, It's a matter of years, probably not decades, but years. And that's a long time if you think about it. And so that's why Zelensky is making these appeals to all of these countries around the world, to the U.N., to say, hey, get the stuff in here so that we can get Russia out of here. I mean, they've had a lot of success, especially around the capital city. I mean, Russia truly failed to get its soldiers around Kiev, and now they're moving out. I mean, all of them have left that area, and they're kind of redeploying to the south and east. Brett, the comment that President Zelensky made was truth. He used the word truth. You grapple with it on a nightly basis as you sift through the day's news. I can only imagine what an impossible task it must be to get at the truth over there. It's almost got to be mind-blowing. Yeah, I think it's really tough, especially when you're facing an adversary like Russia that uses a lot of propaganda and a lot of false flags and operations that they say are results of other things that really never happened or happened because Russians did them. So I think, yeah, I think truth is tough to come by. Um, But, you know, we've been blessed to be able to have video of a lot of these places. And that helps tell the story in a way that that, um, you know, just talk about it does not. I'd love to get your take on what America is doing right to support Zelensky and what you think we could be doing more? Yeah, I think with the weapons we've gotten in there, tens of thousands of um, javelins and stingers have been used really effectively by the Ukrainians against Russian tanks and Russian armor. What we haven't got in there are these heavier air defenses like S-300s, which are sort of like Patriot batteries to take down aircraft, and they're slowly getting in there. Uh, We also haven't got in fighter jets, and that's been kind of a red line for the administration. But I think you're going to see other countries do more on that. What what hasn't really worked as well is the sanctions on Russia. The biggest sanctions on the oil banks, for example, don't go into effect until mid-June. So Russia is still making a ton of money. In fact, Gazprom, the Russian oil company, is is making more money now than it was at the beginning of the war. Brett, should we be reading into anything about Poland buying the Abrams tanks from us here in the United States? Is that is that some sort of indication of the way things might be going over there? Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of these purchases, there's also a Romania purchase of, of right. U.S. aircraft in Bulgaria, I mean, that stuff is to replenish their their stocks, which they, it seems, are going to give to Ukraine, whether that's old Russian 
um, you know, armor or actual planes, that may start to flow in uh, to Ukraine as some more of these images of the atrocities are, are really sparking a lot of action. I've been watching you this week and just the the video, the pictures that you're showing, it's horrendous what's going on. They're talking about families being shot point blank in their cars, mass graves, people lit on fire, women being raped and killed. It's horrible. President Biden called it a war crime, but he stopped short of calling it genocide. Where do you go from here? I think that Zelensky's speech to the United Nations was really, I mean, it's like a horror show. You can't even imagine some of the images that he's talking about. And yet we are seeing those images on the ground. You know, we've obviously Fox lost a couple of uh, folks um, who died in in the artillery shelling trying to get those images. And uh, so there have been amazing people who have been on the ground getting some of these things that document what's really happening. So it's hard to believe in 2022 that this kind of thing can happen anywhere, but it's happening. And uh, what the world does about it, I think is going to probably change in coming weeks. Yeah, this seems so familiar because if you've studied how America was so slow to get into World War II, I feel it's like the same thing happening all over again, where the American president is having to balance public opinion of wanting to be isolationist and not wanting to start World War III. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a certain point where we're going to have to step in militarily. Do you think that eventually we're heading in that direction? I don't think you're going to see U.S. boots on the ground. I do think you're going to see a lot more support. That'll be very fast moving and and kind of step up. The thing that's different is that Russia has 3,000 nuclear weapons. And, um, you know, they're (laughs) nuclear-tipped warheads. And so there is a sense that uh, it's a different calculus. And frankly, you know, Ukraine wouldn't have been invaded if they didn't give up their nuclear program back in 1994. But they did with the agreement that the U.S. was going to provide security. Obviously, that didn't happen. We're talking with Brett Baer from Fox News Channel. This is from my point of view. Zelensky wants a group of nations to provide security guarantees. Biden says, well, we're not there yet. Uh, Zelensky wants the MiG planes that are parked in Poland. And Biden said, you know, we can't do that right now. The U.S. can only do so much. You talk about support. What else can we do? I know you talked about the stingers, the javelins, um, the aerial systems that we sent in. What else can we do? Well, we can get out of the way. You know, we can, and that may start happening. That may start happening, and you may start, Rob was mentioning, the deals that are happening to replenish countries' uh, supplies. And so those MiGs may make it in, not by U.S., but by Poland directly, or by Romania or Bulgaria directly. And so the U.S. is not seen as somehow fighting Russia head-to-head. What's not going to happen, I don't think, is U.S. pilots flying over Ukraine, dropping bombs. I just don't I don't see that because then you start to get a head to head Mm -hmm. kind of battle. And that's what Putin really wants to tell his people. Right. It seems like a slippery slope, though, because Putin is so good at disinformation and telling his people whatever mm -hmm. he wants. Like, you know, there's neo-Nazis in the Ukraine. What's to stop him from saying, well, we know the Americans gave Poland these tanks. It it seems like we're we're dancing around this, but Mm -hmm. we're dealing with a person who doesn't really care about the truth. Yeah. And we're playing to the people around Putin. 
we are playing to the people who have to take Putin out in one way or another, whether it's the people in Russia who feel the pain of sanctions and they kind of liked their life when they walked down the street to Starbucks before, or the people who would eventually see that Russian military is not performing like they were built. In in college, I took Russian history too, Brett, and it was from the Bolshevik <laughs> Revolution. No, no, no. I, this okay. Is, okay, laugh, make fun of me. But I no, am laughing, from the, but yes, it was go from ahead. The, and I got a B in the class. It was from the Bolshevik <laughs> Revolution to the fall of the wall. It, 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 during that class, the reason why I'm asking you this question this way is that it seems to me that Russians inside that country have a very healthy skepticism, although they're not always able to voice that, of their government. What type of internal pressure, Brett, do you see happening in order to try to move this thing along? I mean, listen, when, when the Soviet Union falls, it fell very, very quickly because it had been falling from within, thanks to the efforts of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and the Pope at the time. You know, the pressure, it, it collapsed. And the thought process, I think, in some circles, is that Putin's grasp on this if he does not look strong, then the cards that he's playing suddenly don't look as good to his people. And then somebody else comes. The question is whether that somebody is just as bad as Putin mm-hmm. or somebody that we can deal with. You know, when it was Gorbachev, Reagan found a guy that he could deal with. And, you know, the previous leaders at that time of the Soviet Union, uh, they were not somebody he could deal with. Putin is of the mold of the old Soviet leaders who want to have the, the band back together yep. and put the Soviet Union back together. I have a quick question about the ruble. When the first round of sanctions came in, it fell precipitously, but now it's pretty much back where it was. Do you think this is going to fall again? Do you think this is because of those delayed gas sanctions that will take effect in June? Exactly. That's what's happening. And, and now they want the countries that are buying Russian oil or energy to pay in rubles, which which just the notion of that, of putting that out there, increased the value of the ruble. And so it's back to almost the pre-war level, and we're not seeing the sanctions having a crippling effect like they've been billed. Brett, uh, Caitlin Jenner has joined Fox News Media as a contributor. Will we see her on your show? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't... Uh, <laughs> I haven't crossed that bridge, but uh, I'm sure on some issues that that may play. Uh, I think um, she'll probably be on a lot of the opinion shows first about various issues. And I have to ask you, 35,000 people showed up to watch Tiger Woods practice this week for the Masters. How big is it? You're a huge golfer. You love the game. How big is it for the game of golf to see Tiger Woods golfing in the Masters? Huge. He can't overstate it. It's just massive. I mean, look, the guy hasn't even played. He played one tournament with his son, the father-son tournament, where they came in second. And he still received the what's called the PIP, the player incentive, where he gets money for being the most recognized and powerful brand in golf. So he is. And so when you see Sunday crowds on a Monday at Augusta, mm-hmm. uh, that's really, really quite something. I get to see Tiger make this comeback is, de- uh, is just unbelievable. And if he makes the cut, oh. it'll probably be the most watched Masters we've seen. 100%. Jack Nicholas in 1986, maybe. 
I love that you brought up Nicholas in 1986. Only you would know that. Jack Nicholas, 1986. <laughs> of course you were there. Were you really? I was there. I was. I chased him for the last five holes. Wow. I was in high school. That That is hilarious. I love it. You know that I love you, and I, I watch because we're friends, but you have been absolutely crushing it with your coverage of Ukraine. I know it's been very difficult, especially going to Alex, uh, who's on the ground in Ukraine. I mean, keep up the great work, seriously. Thank you very much, and it's always good to talk to you guys from way back when in Rockford years. Yeah, it's a lifetime ago. But uh, like taking a trip down Amnesia Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Brad, thanks so much, man. We'll be in touch. Okay, we'll do it again. More of the Pete McMurray Show next. <laughs> 